welcome back to another episode of Us Anxious Folk. I am here with Sarah, who is a fellow writer from Melbourne. I get very excited when we have a writer on the podcast. Um, Sarah is also a mother and a self-confessed book nerd. So you're exactly my yep. kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, same. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome. Um, thank you for being here. I am very interested to hear your anxiety story because even though we've been following each other on Instagram for quite a while now, I think years, mm. um, yeah. I don't know much about it. So yeah. tell me. Tell me your anxiety yeah. story. Okay, well, I'll try and give you the uh, condensed version, otherwise we'll be here all day. But, um, yeah, for me, I guess anxiety's kind of always been part of my life, even going right back to early childhood. You know, I was always that, I guess some might call it a sensitive child. You know, I was a worrier and overthinker about, you know, everything. That's yeah. just kind of me. Um, when I was in early primary school, I think maybe grade one or something, um, my dad had a severe car accident and was hospitalised for quite a while. And following that, I was diagnosed with PTSD related to that. And that really manifested for me as anxiety and in particular nighttime anxiety. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was the kid that was having nightmares and didn't want to sleep on my own and um, separation anxiety from my my parents and all that type of thing so it was sort of always there for me in childhood yeah and then fast forward to kind of year 12 I remember having a bit of time off in year 12 because I was sick you know um and the doctor's not really being able to pinpoint you know kind of going I think it's just a bit of a stomach virus but looking back I can say it was anxiety just yeah. didn't know it at that time it probably wasn't until about maybe a year or 18 months after finishing high school that um, I started to have what I remember being my first kind of panic attacks. And I remember having one at work and um, at some point going to the doctors and being sent to hospital and them kind of saying, you're having panic attacks. But at that point it was really, I was referred to a psychiatrist, but it was very much, um, you know, here's some medication Mm-hmm. And off he goes. So around that time, you know, I was sort of diagnosed with depression as well. So depression and anxiety has always been really strongly linked for me. And I don't know, it's a bit of a chicken egg situation. I'm not really sure what came first. It was all kind of mixed up in there um, in that couple of years following high school that I ended up on medication for um, mm-hmm. depression and also, you know, here have Xanax for to, to manage your panic attacks, which you yeah. know, I know now is, you know, was never really going to um, help long term. Yeah. So I guess really between then and now, you know, I'm nearly 40. So, you know, we're talking 20 years. It's kind of been a real up and down journey for me with my anxieties. So there was times at the start there that I did get so bad that I was agoraphobic. You know, I struggled to leave the house or go to the shops or anything like that. And then there's been other times that, you know, I've been great. Mm-hmm. For me, um, my general anxiety, I manage that really well now. I'm able to see when that's kind of bubbling and, and I know what I need to do to manage that. Um, it's really, for me, become more of a panic disorder. So um, it, I have really specific triggers for my panic attacks and that's kind of the main issue because, um, yeah, that's that's something I'm still kind of working with. Like I said, it's it's not it hasn't been a linear thing. It's been very much no. Um, a learning process for me I've done a lot of learning in terms of you know seeing different psychologists and counsellors but 
also reading and podcasts and just, you know, I think I'm at a really good place where I understand my anxiety and my body and my mind, but it's just doing the things, doing the scary things. So kind of pre-COVID, I would say I was in a pretty great place. I remember when COVID like literally just kicked off, we'd um, taken a trip to Sydney. That was when the Ruby Princess (laughs) docked. It was that that weekend where they all came in. Yes. Um, And I remember (laughs) thinking, oh, this is the first trip I've taken interstate, you know, in quite a while where I didn't need any kind of medication to go on the plane. I wasn't feeling anxious. Like I felt great. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of at the point where, you know, we could do an overseas trip, which had been a big goal for me. Yeah. Um, and then COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. I did that. And then COVID and, you know, because the big thing for me with panic disorder has always been the way through it is exposure. Um, you know, that's, I know for me, that's the only way I kind of um, am able to break through those triggers for me. And yeah, for two years, we haven't really been able to go anywhere or do anything. So it's a bit frustrating because sometimes I feel like I've gone a bit backwards. You know, I, I think the first time I went to see my friend when we were out of lockdown, you know, she's about half an hour drive away and straight away, you know, as soon as I got in the car, the panic attack started and you kind of go, oh, I was at a good place. You know, you sort of feel like you're starting again. (laughs) But but I know that that's kind of just part of the process and that I do just need to be a bit patient and it's kind of, it's normal. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that um, even if you, haven't had anxiety before experiencing it now because of what we've been through yeah so um yeah so just continuing to do the stuff that I know I need to do yeah to um kind of manage the panic and anxiety but yeah I guess in a nutshell (laughs) that's kind of my story yeah so you you mentioned specific panic triggers what Uh what are those triggers for you yeah. So um, it kind of boils down to situations where I feel like I don't have a quick and easy escape. Um, so, for example, um, driving long distances. Um, I'm kind of okay if I'm with sort of my husband or a friend or something, but if I'm on my own, I always get this thought like I'm going to break down in the middle of nowhere and I'm mm-hmm. going to be stuck there. Um, you know, long flights and that type of thing where I just feel like I can't get out into um fresh air and yeah. where are you going to retreat to home if I need to <laughs> yeah exactly right um kind of being long distances from home because I guess home's always been my safe place so that's the agoraphobia stuff coming in yeah um and also medical environments has always been a big one for me so I've come to realize that that goes right back to my PTSD from when my dad was in hospital when I was young mm-hmm. so you know literally walking into a hospital or a doctor or even thinking about that is enough um for me to just have an instant panic attack. So medical stuff has always been a kind yeah. of big one for me. Yeah. 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 And but how probably now it's just more the travel, travel sort of stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. Travels like I, f- I find it always difficult when it comes to panic disorder, because there is that like when you panic, you want to be able to control your environment and with travel, it's just, you know, <laughs> you can't. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. very much the unknown and the unfamiliar for me. Like I know a lot of my anxiety comes back to that need to want to control things. So, yeah. you know, if I'm going to a new place with new people, you know, I, I, I'm a big planner. I'm a big control freak. I, I want to know exactly what's going to happen and where we're going and how long it's going to take and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So no surprises for you. Comes in. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, with the with the PTSD, I know you were saying that was like when you were a lot younger that you were diagnosed. Mm. What um, what was the kind of the approach with that in terms of open discussion about it? Like, it, was it something that you could openly discuss or? Yeah, it was probably not something that I even really knew about um, until I think it was a couple of years ago when, you know, I was having a bit of a rough time with my anxiety again and I was seeing a psychologist and, you know, of course, all the childhood stuff comes back and we were sort of talking through a few things and it wasn't until then I'd sort of made the link, you know, around my dad and everything and I'd spoken to my mum. I said, I remember, you know, being a kid and I remember the nightmares, not wanting to sleep alone or anything. Um, But yeah, it was only a couple of years ago that mum went, yeah, like, and I said, you know, my psychologist has said she thinks that's PTSD. And my mum said, yeah, that's what you were diagnosed with when you were a kid. And I didn't really know that. Um, I remember, I remember them taking me to see someone to talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. I only remember maybe going once. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, you know, my parents trying to support me through bedtime anxiety. You know, I remember getting bunks in my sister's bed to sleep at night and all that sort of stuff. But I don't remember those labels around Mm. PTSD and anxiety. It was more like, you know, worry, you're worried, you're frightened, that sort of stuff. So it's only been probably in the past couple of years that I've really come to understand Mm. um, the big part that PTSD has played in my anxiety and, you know, the things like the medical stuff that I was always like, I don't really know why I'm like this. I'm so nervous around all this sort of stuff. and that was triggered again later on, you know, about uh, I think 10 years ago now. Um, I had major back surgery and it was a really big recovery and a lot of stuff went on with that. So that was kind of triggered again um, by that. But, yeah, it didn't really kind of, it's only recently that I've had that understanding of how it's all linked. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's, that's what I was experiencing when I was a kid, you know. It wasn't just that I was a frightened kid. I was, you know, going through like a trauma, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose that would um, kind of makes everything else seem like it made sense and it, you know, yeah. whereas coming from a place of not knowing what's going on and just feeling maybe, um, I don't know if you felt different to other people. I know I yeah, certainly did yeah. when I was younger. I do remember as, yeah, yeah, I remember as a kid, like I was always that worrier, like I was worried about everything and frightened about everything and hmm. um yeah, it was, you know, even as a teenager when your friends are doing certain, you know, risky things and, yeah. and you're not doing that because you're worried and anxious. So, yeah, um, but just not, didn't have that understanding back then, just thought, yeah, I'm just really sensitive. I'm just a worrier. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. just me. I overthink everything. But, yeah, not understanding it's actually, you know, beyond that. It's a condition and it can be managed and, you know, I mean, yes, it's part of my personality too. I am an overthinker and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's other other underlying reasons and factors going on there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, I'm curious whenever I speak to a parent how they've, you know, found anxiety to manifest in their parenting Um mm. Yeah, I mean, because parenting is yeah. such an unknown, isn't it? Like, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's got its own set of challenges because, you know, I've, you know, I try to be very open about my anxiety, but I'm also really like 
oh, I don't want my child. I don't want to put my own anxieties onto my child. I don't, yes. you know, yeah. and um, our son has experienced anxiety in his own way. And, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, I don't want him to have to go through that. But um, at the same time, I have a greater understanding of what he's going through and, mm. you know, we've, we're really able to help support him and get through that stuff and, and, and manage it. Um, but yeah, it, it is hard, like um, trying to find that fine line between being open and saying to him, like, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be anxious, but also not wanting him to worry if I am feeling yeah. anxious, but, yeah. you know, we just talk to him, on his level and his understanding you know there's been times where he's been in the car with me and I'm having a panic attack and I've found that hard because I find it better if I don't have him with me because I can just focus on me and do what I need to do but when I have him with me I know that he'll be like what's wrong what's wrong and then he starts to panic yes um, yeah you know that type of thing so but we've spoken about that I've you know spoken to him about because I've seen I know that he has had panic attacks himself mm-hmm. and I've spoken to him about that. You know, we, we talk about it like it's a wave, um, yeah. you know, that it kind of, I always say, remember that wave that comes over because he often, his panic attacks, he's got the bedtime anxiety as well. So sometimes at night he'll say, you know, I, I feel sick. I feel like I'm going to be sick. And then it's sort of, you know, it, we do our deep breathing and it passes. And that's why I always say to him, you know, sometimes that wave just comes and you feel it building, but just do your breath and then it goes it goes away you know mm-hmm. um so yes parent <laughs> parenting is a big is is a big challenge um mm-hmm. when you have anxiety and then also when you have a child that has anxiety yeah. and navigating all that stuff but we're pretty open about it and just yeah talking to you to him about it on his level yeah yeah I think yeah. that's such a great um way to talk to kids about it. I mean, it's even a great way to talk to ourselves about it with the, the wave. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've never put it that way to my daughter. And I'm just thinking how helpful that would be <laughs> because she's the same. And I, I, I worry about like, yes, I'm being really open and I'm creating a safe space for us to talk about feelings, but am I also just hammering her with feelings all the time? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that, trying right. to find that yeah. balance. Yeah, I know, particularly, you know, being a boy, sometimes you try and get him to talk. It's like, oh, mum, like, you know, he doesn't <laughs> want to talk about it. Yes. But, um, yep. you know, I just say to him sometimes, like, I, I just want to talk about it because, you know, I just want you to know that I understand, you know, I yep. felt the same as a kid. And I think that sometimes really happens. Like, oh, did you, mum? And you felt the same. And it's like, yeah. And we always talk about the fact that, um bravery isn't about not being scared it's about being scared and doing the thing anyway so it's okay to be scared it doesn't mean not being scared it's that okay I'm a bit scared but I'm going to do the thing what can I do to help me do the thing and we're not ever going to put you in a position where you're doing something that is going to hurt you or that you're not safe Mm -hmm. um you're always safe it's just yeah learning that stuff but it's hard you know it's hard as an adult to understand it (laughs) Yes. as a child yes but yeah 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 so it's, it's just that openness yeah exactly just and and just making sure it's always a conversation rather than something that they have to go through alone and feel like yeah know, is something strange and shameful and weird yeah 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 exactly so yeah. in in your own life um I love I love that bravery is you know not not the absence of fear, but 
the inclusion of fear. Yeah. And so I imagine that's been a big thing for you as well, um, teaching yourself that. And so like, yeah, I know with agoraphobia for me, exposure therapy was terrifying. What kind of things did you yep. <laughs> do to sort of, to get you through it? Like how did you approach your fears knowing that you had to approach them to get to the bravery? <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right you've got to do the hard stuff to get to the other side and you know and you there's some days that it is too hard and you go you just make up avoidance and excuses but I really try not to do that now so yeah I have certain um strategies I guess in place um something I used to do when I remember when I was really struggling with going on like airplanes and, and traveling um I would actually um write myself a letter when I was feeling good um, about all the reasons why I wanted to do this and, you know, why I was safe. Um, remember this, remember that, that when that sort of negative self-talk and the panic set in and I was on the plane, I would pull out the letter and read it. Um, and it was my voice speaking back to me. It was just I couldn't find that voice in that moment when you're panicking. All you can hear is, I can't, I can't, you need to run, this is too much, this is too scary. Um, but having words in front of me that I had written to myself, yeah. Um, when I wasn't feeling that way, but now it's, you know, it's all the, it's the breathing stuff. Breathing is huge for me. So, um, especially with panic attacks, I know that like, if that hits, it's because I'm not breathing properly. So focusing on my breathing, but it's kind of, um, it's a fine line to balance around focusing on how you're feeling and breathing, but also a bit of distraction as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, because um, there's that over focus. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, you know, um, example, uh, driving to my best friend's place, we, you know, it's been an ongoing thing. She's about 40 minutes away now, and she knows like that I panic every time. And pre COVID, I'd gotten to the point where I was great, and it's kind of gone back now. But I think sometimes for me, it's actually just saying it and sharing that with other people that kind of takes the power away. So, I'll literally say to my friend or to my husband, like, I'm feeling anxious or, you know, I feel um, this is what I'm thinking, like this is what I'm worrying about Mm -hmm. or, you know, I am having a panic attack right now. Like I'll ring them on the phone, you know, I'm panicking, just talk to me. Like Mm -hmm. it's just that destruction of talking and sometimes just saying it out loud. Yeah. I'm having a panic attack right now is enough for it to, to go away. But exposure for me, it's just, it's the baby steps. So it's, you know, it's not jumping in the car and going for a four-hour drive to start with. It's jumping in the car and going for a 10-minute drive until, you know, I'm good with that. And then it's 20 minutes and then it's 30 minutes, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I know I still have my safety behaviours, you know, like I have to carry a bottle of water with me wherever I go and my phone and all that sort of stuff. But I kind of go, that's okay if that's what I need at this point. Um, I'll get to a point where that stuff can go as well. So just kind of supporting myself as best I can but yeah. even leading up to those exposures um, I think it's about making sure that you're in a good strong place to kind of do those anyway so it's things like you know making sure that I'm getting enough sleep which I'm terrible at I'm a big, a big insomnia but you know especially if you're reading if, books all night <laughs> yeah um if you're feeling tired or you're not eating right or, you know, you're spending too much time on social media or watching bad news, you're just not in a great headspace to start with to be able to face those situations where you know panic attacks are going to hit. Yeah. So it's just about setting yourself up right. Um, 
to start with and being in a good place, good, strong place to start with mm-hmm. when you're doing those exposures so that, yeah, when panic attacks do hit, you, you're feeling a bit stronger in, in learning to manage, in, in managing those and writing them out. But it's a lot of self-talk. It's just reminding myself, yeah, it feels awful, but, you know, it's going to pass. It usually passes pretty quickly, you know, telling myself I'm safe, you know, mm-hmm. you know what this is. Um, I remember a friend saying that to me one time and I was having a panic attack and she said to me, like, you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, it's not, I'm not dying right now. <laughs> I'm not going to pass out. I'm not, you know, I know it's a panic attack and I know it's going to pass. Yeah. So, yeah. Just self-talk, which is hard sometimes in the moment. For sure. I, there's so much, so much value in everything you just said. I love the love notes. And I think as well, <laughs> what you said about like taking, just saying it, takes that power away and Mm. you're so right because it's funny when someone else says to me I'm panicking right now or I'm feeling anxious like I I care of course but it's not Mm. it's not as much of a huge thing as I know that it feels for me when I'm in the same situation yeah Yeah. that sounds awful but you know what I mean like for us it's just an enormous thing but when you say it it's like oh Uh it's actually it's actually just a a thing that's happening. happening yeah yeah, that's all that's happening. Yeah, yeah, I'm just feeling anxious. That's what it is, you know. Exactly, and yeah. It, and it will pass. Like, it always passes. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and for me, yeah, it's, it's that wave. I always have that image of that wave, like, because I do with my anxiety and panic attacks, you know, you feel it, you feel it building. Like, it starts off as, yeah. you know, in your tummy, you're feeling a bit anxious and you're going to the toilet or, you know, and then it kind of builds, 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 builds to that point where, you know, your heart's racing and everything is, and then, it comes back down again. Like yeah. it always comes back down again. We're just it's so quick just to one. forget that. <laughs> We're so yeah, quick to forget one. that it is going to ease. Yeah, yeah. Because in the moment it does, it's terrifying and it feels horrible. It doesn't matter how many times you, you know, I've known of people um, that have said to me, you know, the first time I had a panic attack, I called an ambulance or I went to the hospital or I thought I was dying. And you're like, yeah, because it, it's it's not just like some people go, oh, I panic, I'm panicking. It's like it's actually a really physical yeah feeling yeah yeah for sure yeah I I went to the emergency room and I thought I was dying so yeah yeah, yeah well I mean yeah that's how I got diagnosed I was in hospital for the first time so yeah. yeah you know it does feel that way and it's hard to reconcile the fact that you know it's kind of you doing it it's your mind doing it because you sometimes you don't feel like you're worrying or anxious and sometimes panic attacks can seem to come out of the blue I used to think that I was like why am I you know Hmm. but the more I understand myself, the more I know there's always a reason. Like I'm pretty good. Um, I found I have a bit of a, uh, you know, pattern that I'm pretty good in a crisis. Like mm-hmm. when stuff is going on, I'm the person that's helping out and doing stuff and organising. And then it was like maybe three months after or something where everything had gone back to normal that then all of a sudden, you know, it's like now with COVID, it's like I was fine throughout COVID. You know, that was, I mean, fine as anyone could be, but I managed really well. And it's now that it's kind of we're coming out the other side, it's like my body just goes, okay, everyone else is good now. Now I can fall apart. Yeah, um, I've learned that about myself. So, uh, yeah, um, that was kind of interesting because for a long time there I'd be like, why am I having panic attacks all of a sudden? Like everything's good. Life is good. What's going on? Mm. And then I'd kind of retrace it back and be like, oh, it was this stuff that was going on a few months ago that I had to just handle then and get through. And now that it's over and everything's good, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my body letting go in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um 
I can't, I think maybe Deepak Chopra who said that um, the, like it's common for panic attacks to happen at night because that's when our conscious mind is relaxed. And mm. so it's like the body's yeah. like, I can let this go now. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. it sounds like the same thing for you. You know, you're, you're yeah, holding definitely. everyone else together and then you have this time where everyone else is okay. So it's like your body's just like, yeah, Let's do it. yeah, I know. And it doesn't feel like a conscious thing. It's not like I'm saying in my mind to myself, you know, everyone's good now. Let's, it's just like, it's almost like your body takes over. Um, yeah sometimes yeah uh, yeah for me 90% of the time it's my body is running the show and I'm not yeah my mind's just, just over yeah. here going what I know it's, it's it's a really interesting thing you know I, I was watching I don't know if it was like Q&A or something on ABC the other night and they were talking about anxiety and how you know we need to kind of start reframing it as you know yes it is a mental illness but it's very physical as yeah. well it has really physical implications you know Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't feel like you're in control of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For, for you, has there been, um, I know you mentioned breathing. Are there other physical practices that you do, um, to sort of balance you? I know a lot of people will say, you know, walking in nature and that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 What- yeah. So walking is definitely a thing. Um, I notice when I'm not doing that or, you know, being outside, that's, mm. you know, um, so I have been doing, gotten back into that recently because I knew I wasn't doing that. I wasn't exercising and I know exercise and movement is good for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, meditation yes. as well yeah. is another thing. Um, and particularly I like guided meditation. You know, I like putting, um, I like using, you know, headspace and smiling mind and things like that to mm. meditate. Um, and that, again, is linked back to the breathing yeah yeah too, but yeah moving um moving your body I think is a really big thing that yes I definitely need to get better at because I know when I do do it yeah it has it makes me feel better yeah yeah for sure but I think so much of anxiety is um a lack of movement it's like we really want to be able to do something to to fix it but it's like we're so scared that we just contract and we stop moving you know, even yeah. stop breathing. So I guess the antidote yeah, to yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. To yeah, sort of unfurling and and. But I also would imagine that you are somebody who uses creativity as a way to do exactly that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, writing yeah, so. yourself letters is is one of your practices. Talk me through the rest yeah. of your creative process. Yeah, so writing's always been, you know, a really big part of my life. Um, and it's funny, I look back now and think, oh, wow, I don't know how I didn't even think to take that path, you know, professionally, because in school it was like English was my favourite subject and I love writing stories and I was the, you know, friend that would write my friends like five-page letters and things like that. So <laughs> I've always um, always loved writing. Um, and, you know, I journal every day. So, you know, do a bit of a, I find that really helps with my insomnia as well of a night I try and do a bit of a mind dump of just everything so just writing stuff out in pages when um, I became a mum I had a blog and that was a real outlet for me back when you know blogs blogs were really big back in the day (laughs) every mum had them Um, and that was yeah that was my way of you know processing and and sharing like you know I would um, I would write and put that out into the world and I've always found writing to be a way to 
to connect with other people a lot as well. You know, I always find when I write or share something about my anxiety, the amount of messages and things that you get saying like me too, or, you know, if not me too, I, my friend, my sister, my child, whatever is going through this and thank you because you've helped me um, understand it a bit more. So writing for me, yeah, is definitely a way to process things, but it's also just a creative outlet for me. So Mm. um, I'm at the moment attempting to write a fiction novel that's you know been in the works and one day I'll get it done when I'm 80 or something but um <laughs> got the first draft done and working through that and you know I've always felt like that, that I would like to write um a book or something about anxiety I'm just not sure yeah. what that looks like at that this point because I feel like um you know there's a lot of books out there about anxiety and there's a lot um yeah, and you just want to, and I'm so excited about your book because um, I think that will be, you know, it's, it, I really relate to your story. Yeah. But I just want to make sure, I guess, if I do do something in that space, that it adds something different and something worthwhile and a different point of view. Um, because for me, yeah, writing, not even writing words, but reading words has been a really big help to me. You know, there's been some, books that I've read along the way or blogs or different things that I've read that have just made such a difference yeah to me um so do you yeah, have words. do you have particular favorites in terms of like the anxiety yeah. space yeah so there's an old book and I kind of think it's a doctor I don't even know I feel like it's Dr Bronwyn someone but it's a little like really thin book called Power Over Panic um yep. and it was a book I picked up years ago and it's one that I often go back to um it very much focuses on the panic attacks, mm-hmm. but also um, other people's stories like Claire Bowditch's book. I don't know if you've read I haven't that. read that, but I, I think it was on oh, your you Instagram. To- <laughs> that you, you were like, yeah. this is so good. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to read that. I think that will you will find um, a lot of similarities in there yeah. um, that, you know, and just things like that that you read and you just go, I'm not the only one um, and not only that, but, you know, there's so many successful people that have anxiety, Um, you know, you can still do all the things that you want to do in life and habits. So, yeah, I'm always words, words, writing them, reading them. That's kind of how I process my feelings, but also, you know, get information and support. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very, very similar. (laughs) Yeah, I, and, and words too, like I'm a talker and a writer, do you know what I mean? Like I'm very, you know, um, yeah. yeah, open in that sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I was um, perusing your website before and you mentioned something about grammar rules being made to be broken and I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bit like that with writing my novels and things like that. I'm like, I know there's all these rules, but I just write to write, do you know what I mean? I'm not... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, I kind of went down the path of, you know, doing writing professionally, like I was doing a lot of copywriting and social media and, you know, I loved that, but I do find sometimes, um, yeah, they've become, once you're sort of getting paid for something, there becomes that pressure of, you know, getting it right and it becomes, it becomes work. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I dabble in a bit of writing in my work life, but it's very much a creative outlet for me and something for me. Mm. as opposed to, you know, something I'm, I want to do professionally or get paid for. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the really beautiful things about this day and age, which social media plays a huge part annoyingly because I 
I I hate social media for a lot of reasons, but it's so good in that like the books we read are changing. Like there's not this format that Uh there once was. And I think people are being a lot more creative um, in, in professional spaces, which is, which is amazing. Like there didn't used to be that, you know, you wouldn't be able to find a book um, where it's like got poems on one page and then pictures on another in sort of the mainstream, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People are just, and I think, you know, particularly in the mental health space too, um, there is just much more openness now. A lot more people sharing their stories than what there ever was, which, you know, is only a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because then, like you said, there's that that feeling of it, I'm not alone. It's not just me. Like I'm not a freak. Yeah. I'm not a weirdo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's just that, it's just it's just that stigma too. Like sometimes I think, oh gosh, I'm I'm really open about my anxiety, and I think a big part of that is because you know I've there's been people I've worked with over the years that I've told them about it, and they're kind of like you like you have anxiety because you know in my professional life and you know with my family like I come across as super confident Mm -hmm. um and that's you know part of the thing that I want people to understand too that it's and that's why I do share my story so much and I'm so open about it because yeah people experiencing anxiety that isn't the shy person rocking in the corner you know chewing their nails and you know they don't (laughs) want to get up and speak speak in front of a crowd like it, it can be like that for some people but for a lot of people, um, you know, they're the confident people at work. They're the perfectionists. They're the, you know, yeah. the ones that are, seem to be kicking goals but are really struggling. So just having, um, yeah, helping to reduce that stigma and for people to understand that it's not a weakness yeah. at all. If anything, you know, people have always said that people that are experiencing anxiety are stronger than others because, you know, we're still doing things and living our lives with this, terrifying thing going on inside of our bodies and a lot of people yeah wouldn't be able to do that yeah and having to put up with it on something as simple as a car ride to a friend's place or yeah you know a lot of a lot of like uh constant bravery <laughs> like you said yeah. a lot of constantly doing yeah. the scary shit yeah, yeah exactly right and yeah it's not um if you're doing something on a daily basis that doesn't bother you then you know that's that's not bravery like I often say you know if you're jumping out of a plane and you love jumping out of a plane then you know that's fun that's that's fun you're not brave but if you're jumping out of a plane and you're shit scared like that's that's brave um yeah yeah. I had a a guest recently who had skydived and I I was it blew my mind I'm like I just can't I can't cope with that Mm -hmm. um but maybe one day who knows yeah (laughs) but you know I'm like it's not that I'm just scared of skydiving. I just, that doesn't interest me and that's okay. You know, yeah. like it's yeah. not something that I particularly want to do and that's okay yeah. too. But yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, you know, anxiety manifests so differently for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things that I'm sure I do that other people with anxiety, are like, Oh, I couldn't do that or, you know, and vice versa. It just manifests in different ways and there's different triggers for everyone. So for sure. So what's on your goal list in terms of, I guess, facing your fears? I know you said an overseas trip was a a big one. What else have you got planned? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably just um, building myself back up now after COVID. Um, Like I said, I do feel like in some spaces I've kind of gone 
backwards, which, you know, I have to keep telling myself I haven't, that's okay. You know, um, I know I'll get back to where I was quicker. So yeah, it's just doing those little things like getting back to driving places without, you know, being okay with that. Um, you know, things like being able to go to the doctors by myself, like I was doing that pre-COVID and now I'm like, I don't know if I could do that at this point. <clears throat> so in a lot of ways, it's goals that I'd already achieved that I've got to go back and <laughs> kick those goals again, but that's okay. Um, yeah. That's okay. So, um, you know, and look, Lord knows when I, I think even if I could travel overseas at the moment, I wouldn't anyway. I don't think Yeah, that's, you know, that's true. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've got a bit of time up my sleeve. Mm. to kind of do that but I think yeah it's um going back to a lot of basics for me at the moment and getting back into that routine like at the moment I'm still working from home so we'll be heading back into the office um which you know I'm not anxious about that I'm looking forward to that for me um yeah I've kind of surprised myself I guess how well I have coached with being home because that spending a lot of time home alone by myself is a big trigger for depression for me as well mm-hmm. and anxiety mm-hmm. so I've had to just be really mindful of mm-hmm. that and I know that getting back out into the world is only going to be good for me mm-hmm. so yeah it's just kind of building myself back up I guess to the place that I was before and then continuing beyond that yeah um, so traveling and doing those things on my own more yeah yeah just yeah. getting back into that normal routine I guess and with yeah. um if you don't mind my asking with depression, what do you find is the most helpful thing for you? Because obviously when the two come together, it's, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Again, it's the talking stuff, talking to other people. And I just have to have to get out there. Like I said, spending a lot of time at home by myself, you know, moping around, it's Mm. not good. I need to, get out and and have things to look forward to so whether that is a trip or a holiday or catching up with friends I need to make sure I'm interacting with other people yeah and getting out there that's a big thing for me with depression um because I tend to yeah just go inward and want to stay at home Mm. and not want to see anyone or go anywhere so you know it's kind of hard because it's the thing that you don't want to do that you have to do yeah to make yourself better yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm really lucky in that I have an extremely supportive husband and family and friends that have always helped me through that sort of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, have always, um, both with depression and anxiety, super understanding, you know, and I'm able to be really open and honest with them and they're able to support me in that stuff, you know. My yeah. husband's able to say, like, yeah, let's get out this weekend or let's do this or um but I would say, you know, my depression's probably been really steady for a long, long time. You know, I'm, I still take medication for depression. I have tried a couple of times to come off that. And every time I have, it's been a big disaster. I find within three months, I'm just boom, straight back down again. Um, yep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I know I was sort of, I know you had a similar experience. So I've just kind of learned like, that's okay. Like if I have to take a tablet every day, like so be it, you know. Um, yeah. Maybe one day I'll get to a place where I can come off them, um, but it's not necessarily a goal. I don't want to set that as a goal for myself Mm. because I don't want to feel like a failure if that doesn't happen because it's okay if it doesn't happen. You know, if you were a diabetic, you would take insulin every day, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, I think 
um, the depression does have a lot to do. Like there's different triggers for depression. You know, sometimes it's situational for people mm. um, and they get through those situations and they come better. I think, you know, for me, it probably is more to do with a chemical imbalance and that medication does help mm-hmm. to balance that out. So it is yeah. what it is, you know, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, um, I know it's a overused cliche, but I feel like um, when you have that sort of creative mind, there's a natural sort of penchant yeah. for depression in Absolutely. a way because <laughs> you think very yeah. deeply. Oh, God, you feel yeah. very deeply. Oh, yeah. 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 I st- yeah. I laugh at myself because I'm like, yeah, I was that teenager in the bedroom playing the <laughs> The sad songs and me too and feeling and it so much. Out the lyrics yes, yes yeah you know um big feeler big feeler so yeah. yeah you kind of go that's that's me that's part of my personality it's probably part of my genetics as well you know yeah. there's a history there mm-hmm. in our families so um yeah if, if I have to take medication to control that that's mm-hmm. that's okay but it doesn't mean that um I think the important thing about taking medication is that you understand it's not just pop a pill and, and it's done. It's yeah. doing all the other stuff as well. Yeah. So it's understanding it's not a cure or it's just one tool to help manage it. And yes. then, you know, you still do the other stuff, you know, exercising and trying to get good sleep and eating healthy and all the stuff that I've been really terrible at for the past two years. But, um, you know. I know that. I know that it's just it's just doing it. Doing yeah, it and we have to cut ourselves part. some slack, honestly. Like it, it's a global pandemic. <laughs> like yeah, it's just crazy yeah. when you think about it. So, yeah, yeah. I think we're yeah, like, oh, exactly. you know, we got set back and this and that. But it's like, honestly, we all went through something pretty horrendous yeah so. kind of sit here going why am I so exhausted and then you're like oh yeah. that's why <laughs> like, that happened yeah yeah and it's still happening like it's still going on it's still still a bit of a shit storm and um yeah, yeah and I think now it's almost like there's more fear because we kind of have seen the things yeah. that we thought couldn't happen can happen yeah you know um yeah, everything you seems can run a bit out of food precious. at the supermarkets and people can turn on each other and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. But yeah, sometimes I think, I think I heard someone else say on your podcast, I can't remember who it was about, you know, probably the people with anxiety were the best prepared yes. for the pandemic because, you know, <laughs> we've been living in that world yeah. for a long time in our head, anxious and worried about everything. So, we've got this, we've got all the tools to. That's it. We're like the, the doomsday yeah. preppers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, and thankfully it's it's definitely opened the door for everybody to be more transparent with their mental health and more proactive. You know, companies are being more proactive and um, even on the TV yes. there's ads about it. Like it's it's such a common thing now for, for people uh-huh. to be talking about, which is great. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's the thing, you know, um, yeah, the past few years has been really crappy, but there's always silver linings and good things yeah. to come out of it. And I think definitely that talk about mental health, you know, although it's really crappy because I think um, a lot of people are reaching out for help now and it's hard to get yeah. at the moment. Um, exactly right. So it's kind of, you know, but yeah, it's a good thing that people are talking about it. There's lots of good things to come out of COVID, even, you know, the flexible work and, you know, yeah. understanding that, people have have lives and commitments and how can we do all that sort of stuff better which you know better work-life balance that helps with mental health as well so 
Yeah. And are we really doing what we want to be doing or are we just, you know, waiting out for some day when really we should be doing it today? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Live for the moment. If that's, yeah, if that's the only thing that we've all learned, it's that, you know, your health, um, your friends and your family are the most important things because when that stuff was taken away from us or um, yeah. put under, you know, risk, that was all that mattered yeah. in the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And on that note, my favorite question to ask on the podcast <laughs> a piece of advice for someone at their worst or yourself at your worst what would you say to somebody going through it really tough um I guess my biggest piece of advice goes back to what I was saying before in that talk like just talk um and I mean that on many levels so I mean that you know if you're struggling reach out and talk to someone whether that's a friend, family member, professional, colleague, whatever it needs to be, talk in, you know, be mindful of the way that you're talking to yourself because so much of anxiety is the way the words, what we're telling ourselves, the way we're talking to ourselves and and talk back to that Mm. in a positive way. But, um, yeah, I guess because, yeah, I'm word obsessed. (laughs) So that's my (laughs) big piece of advice is just talk because, like I said, the more you talk about it, um, the more people understand, the less stigma, it's better for everyone. Um, and it just takes that power away when you just say it, because sometimes saying things, you kind of go, oh, that, that wasn't so bad and we can work through this and we can work it out. So yeah, yeah absolutely. just talk. Yeah. And you know, that doesn't mean you have to get on a podcast and talk about it. Like, <laughs> you know, um, that's too far. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, yeah, you have to tell everyone it's what you feel comfortable with, but even if it's just one person, that you can talk to you'll feel so much better just getting that off your chest yeah getting that weight off your body and (laughs) over there yeah yeah exactly right exactly right yeah amazing thank you so much I that's okay I feel much better now that I know (laughs) your story um and I I am very much looking forward to to reading your book one day as well because I I definitely think we do need more different books in the anxiety space and more understanding and more realness about it rather than it being this like scientific, you know, medical thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly right. And same to you. Looking forward to reading your book. (laughs) You can find Sarah. Um, You have a website, which is sarahjbowen.com. You have a website. Yeah. Yes. And, um, socials i'm sarah j bowen writer i think i am yeah um so yeah i you know spend most of my time on instagram i find that's the most friendly space but i'm also on facebook as well yeah yeah cool i will link those in the show notes and i'm also going to link the book that you mentioned um if i can find it (laughs) so because yeah i'll see if i can can find it yeah yeah awesome yeah well thank you so much thank you Thank you for listening to the Us Anxious Folk podcast, the podcast for the chronically overwhelmed, perpetually panicked, anxious folk in all of us. If you would like to find more about me, you can find me on YouTube at Lauren Rose or on Instagram at Lauren R underscore Rose.